0: Hi, and welcome. You're listening to the Church Renewal Podcast from Flourish Coaching. Flourish sets ministry leaders free to be effective wherever God has called them. So, when pastors and churches feel stuck, our team of coaches can refresh their hope in the gospel and help them clarify their strategy. I'm the host of the Church Renewal Podcast, Alan Edwards, Operations Director at Flourish. You know, we end every podcast by saying there is only one fully sufficient reason that today dawned Jesus is still gathering his people and advancing his kingdom. We're going to talk more about that today. Why are we here? Why are our churches here? Yes, it's to glorify God in our work in worship. But why does Jesus tarry? Why hasn't he come again? Why hasn't he made all things new? Look, if Jesus is still gathering a people to himself, that has to give some directions to our churches, don't you think? We'd love to hear your thoughts on this issue. What is the reason that today dawned? What is the reason that our churches are here? Hit us up on Twitter at Flourish Coach One, that's Flourish Coach and the number one. Find us on Facebook at Flourish Coaching, or on the web at flourishcoaching.org. We'd love to hear from you. Our executive director, Matt Bowling, joins us today to talk about the one fully sufficient reason that today dawned, and how believing that one sufficient reason might renew our churches. So come on, let's dig in and explore the ways that Jesus is renewing his church. Hey, Matt, welcome back to the Church Renewal Podcast. How are you doing today? It's good. Yeah? Got got some water. Have you coughed everything out that you had to cough out? I coughed everything out that I needed to. (laughs) Good. Good. So we're still working through this definition of what is church renewal. And today we're focusing on this aspect, that church renewal is the process by which a group of people, a church body, gains a new appreciation for their place as they anticipate the kingdom of God coming. As they anticipate the kingdom of God coming. Can I tell you something, Matt, about when I first started to sure, go for prepare it. to be a pastor? I used to say that it'd be better for other people to do mission work and evangelism because I was going to be good at caring for people who already know Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it. That's part of it. And it sounds like I was not believing this statement that we use over and over again here on the podcast, that the only fully sufficient reason that today dawned is that Jesus is still gathering his people and that he's using us to do it. Um so this concept, this, this phrase, this is, this is a, a we call it a Matt phrase This is one of right. your dictums or your axioms. Right. right. Um, when did this concept really form for you and how has it shaped your understanding of
1: ministry and church renewal? Yeah, I think it formed for me, the, the first church that I pastored, um, was, was very interesting. It was a very, um, it, it was a neat group of Christians who wanted to start a church because um, there was a group of people that's, that were in the middle of an area. And the two churches of the denomination that of that church that I pastored, um, there were churches that were about 50 minutes apart, 5-0. And there were people from the middle of that driving. And the part of the world where that was, that was very odd. If you live in like a metro area, you're like 25-minute drives, nothing. But for them, it was a lot in the part of the world where they were. And so they started a church um, to, frankly, make it more convenient for them. And so they didn't do it out of a conviction that people in that place needed to come to know Jesus. They did it because it would be more convenient for them. We, and we need a church of our particular stripe or doctrine in this place in this for place. us. For us. Mm. It wasn't primarily formed with a vision for them. That wasn't the prime reason that they were there. And so as I came to understand that, um, I the Lord, all I can say is the Lord got a hold of my heart, and I was like, this isn't right. This isn't why congregations of the Lord Jesus Christ exist. Congregations of the Lord Jesus Christ exist to be to certainly experience their adoption as sons and daughters, but for a reason. That's not the only reason they exist. They exist to understand that. So they'll go out with the message of the gospel. They'll go out and they'll talk to people. So the the text that crystallizes this for me um, is from Matthew 24. And there's lots of things in Matthew 24 that Christians dispute about how to interpret it, whatever. This part is indisputable. Here's what Jesus says. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And so I commonly ask people, has the end come? And they'll look at me and they're like, no, because this isn't heaven. I'm like, this isn't the new heavens, the new earth. I'm like, exactly. The end doesn't come. So this tells you your marching orders, Mm. your marching orders, the the crystallizing, the only sufficient reason today, Don, your marching orders is you're a part of proclaiming throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, this gospel of the kingdom. Now, when, when Americans hear that, they're like, oh, right, we really need to get the gospel further into South America and into Africa, where there's lots of Muslims that are becoming Christians, and it's China, and the persecuted church, and you're right, we really need to be involved in overseas missions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I live in Seattle. Do you know where Seattle is in comparison to Jerusalem, where to to Israel, where Jesus spoke this? Seattle is the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. Where you live in the United States is the ends of the earth. That's where you live. We have to be careful to not make this America-centric, right? Right.
0: We have the gospel. We need the other nations to have it. Oh, no, actually, we are in a place and a time and in a culture that needs the gospel just as much,
1: you know, as, as all of the nations the people who study this kind of thing say that the um, the United States, North America, we're like the fifth largest unreached people group. Mm. You live, if you're listening to this in America, you live at the ends of the earth among people who need the gospel. And when this is lost by individual Christians, what they default end up doing is... Is they live according to the gospel, not of the kingdom, but the gospel of the American dream,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is that um, I'm here to um, to own a house and and to be married and to have some kids and to have a job that I enjoy and sure to to go to a church and maybe participate in some way, um, but not that my life is fundamentally oriented around the king and his kingdom being extended through the way that I live.
0: Mm.
1: Um, A renewed church has a collection of people who the orientation of their lives has been dramatically shifted from themselves to people that don't yet know Jesus. You know, we were
0: um, with a church in the deep south, you know, heart of the Bible Belt, and... I can remember sitting down with some of the members and leaders of this church and asking about their non-Christian friends and neighbors. And almost to a person, they said, well, this is the Bible Belt. I just don't have a lot of non-Christian friends and neighbors. And we could show them the data. I think it was Pew Forum or I, I, I don't remember which survey data it was. But but that had data specific for their county. that showed that 40% of the people in this Bible Belt county were not affiliated With any Christian congregation at all. This is the heart of the Bible Belt, right? The fastest growing religious group in the United States is none. Is none. No religion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so recapturing, what I hear you saying is that a renewed church gets that. It's not relying on the old cultural assumptions and the old cultural um, clout that Christianity had. Yes, it's thinking of ourselves as a missionary outpost here and
1: now. Yes. So one of the exercises that we'll take churches through, um, as we would work with them, um, is we'll have a group of people, and um, I'll take them somewhere else. I'll um, oh. metaphorically, oh. metaphorically, and I'll I'll re I'll, I'll I will uh, re baptize them, if you will. As a, uh, a missionary team that has gone to Kazakhstan and has gone into a village where there is no congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're there as a missionary team. And I asked them to think through what would need to be true of them in their hearts, in their motivations, in their sense of the Lord and the gospel, the way that they interact as a team. It's marvelous. Every group that I've ever done this with, can come out. You can draw out of them what it looks like to be a missionary tactical force. Right. They'll. We got to raise support. We've got to study the
0: culture. We've got to pray. We've got to. Um, we've got to learn about their food and their language. That there's a whole. They can. They can do that thought exercise of yes. a missionary team on a
1: foreign field. Right. But then. But then we challenge them. Well, that's really what you're doing if you want a renewed church. So in a sense. Um, here's a relationship with church planting. When when somebody when a church planting pastor goes into a community to plant a church, the first thing that he does is he studies the community, right. And the renewed church, because he has a heart for that community, for people to come to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the renewed church that's lost its heart for its community, lost the sense that we're a, a missionary tactical force, that uh, that one of the things that they've got to go back to do is that they've got to, uh, well, part of the renewal is that God would turn their hearts back outward again, first of all. Mm-hmm. But that they get, we've talked about this a little bit before, but they, they get a curiosity about their community. And they begin to think a lot more about the people in their community that don't yet know Jesus. They form relationships with those who don't yet know Jesus. They become oriented like that. They they get this sense uh, deep down of why today dawned as a whole church. And that changes things. It makes them less selfish. It changes the way the church budgets money. Mm. It changes... The, the space the church gives to people to spend time with unbelievers instead of consuming them with church activities. Yeah. It makes the, the discipleship and the programmatic elements of the church um, sleek. And they're built for equipping people to know the gospel and to be equipped to share the gospel with people.
0: They're, they're, they're focused on preparing to send Versus just transmitting information to you. So what I hear you saying, you, know, you mentioned Matthew 24, that these are the marching orders of the church. The end has not yet come. Right. Um, we're also really talking about Matthew 28, right? Yes. We're talking about the Great Commission yep. and a church being oriented, reorienting around the mission that God gave the church. Go, make disciples, teach, bring them into the body. R- rinse, wash, repeat. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so let me ask you this. If a, if a church should be centered on this mission, these marching orders from Jesus, what are the things that commonly crowd that out? Hmm. What are the other things that churches get centered on? So if I'm trying to diagnose, is my church centered on the mission of Jesus or something else? Yeah. What are the things that compete with the mission of Jesus for in, in a lot of churches, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think um, a couple of things come to mind. I think the first thing that comes to mind is um, we're content to be selfish, okay, and so we demand that the church um, do things, give us programs that we want for our own um, comfort, if you will, right? So commonly, the way that you'll see this is the the most common iteration of this that I see is that. Parents with kids that are growing up that have been going to a smaller church that can't offer like a premier youth group experience for their children will end up going to a medium-sized church that can offer a better youth group for their kids. Mm, sure. And and to me, that's, it's not that you shouldn't have good discipleship for your kids. I'm not down on that. What I'm saying is there's a lot of ways to do that. And going to um, you know a larger church that has this wonderful youth group um, You can take your kids there and still attend at the small church. Um, But I I think that the orientation is that fundamentally, do the Christians in the church think that church is about them? Or do they think it's about people that don't yet know Jesus? Oh, sure. Now, wait a minute.
0: Wouldn't someone listening say, isn't the church about God? The church isn't about me
1: or people that don't know Jesus. The church is about God. What do you say to that? Right. So um, so one of the resources that we'll link in the in the show notes um, is a book um, by John Piper. Um, and probably some some blogs and podcasts and stuff with him. But one of the things that Piper says is that um, for it to be about God, God is seeking worshipers. Mm. So if it is about God and what he's seeking and what he wants... It'll be about people that don't yet know Jesus. Yeah. So it, it's if uh, it, so, really the difference is between it being about God and about being us. Yeah. Right. And so, sort of fundamentally, is do I look at church as a place where it caters to me, or do I look at church as a place um, where I get equipped? Yeah. Um, to go back out. So so is it a. Um, Is it, you've used it in a previous podcast, Alan, the the word bunker. Is it a place that I come that's safe because I feel unsafe in uh, our culture that is, um, that's less believing than it used to be? And so is church kind of this place where I can feel safe and comforted, right? Or is church a place that certainly I feel safe and comforted so that, uh, I'm equipped to go back out into the fray. So one of the analogies that I use um, is you can now, you know, I don't know which of the, we can figure out which of the streaming services services offers this show. You can certainly see clips of it on YouTube. But the old show MASH mm. was one that I grew up with. And um, the idea of the MASH hospital was that people would come and they would get surgery to be sent back to the front lines. The church is that. Mm-hmm. It's the MASH hospital. It's think of this, the posture of First Peter, right? You're here as a church. Sure, you feel like you're on the margins, but that's that's the posture of the missionary. The missionary's always on the margins. And that's part of what's difficult for the church in America is we used to be in the center and now we've been pushed out to the margins. But that's that's been sort of the default spot of the people of God. Most of their time has been the margins. So looking at first Peter and going, yeah, that's what I feel like, but then understanding the gospel in a way where Peter repreaches the gospel to them so that they'll know how to minister from the margins. that's super super important, right mm-hmm. um, but church as a mash hospital, it's the place where I get patched up so that I can go back out into the fray that is the world yeah that that with as an ambassador with the message of Christ yeah. So if I am, um, if I'm a
0: member of my church and I really want my church to recapture this orientation to the great commission, or if I'm a pastor and I really want my leadership team to recapture this orientation, that the only sufficient reason for today is that Jesus is gathering people through the church and its ministry. Um, what are some places I can turn to fill up my heart, my mind, encourage me, challenge me, books, articles,
1: speakers, what would you, where, where might you go? Yeah. So I, um, one of the people has been influential for me in the last couple of years is an author named George Hunter, and he's a book called um, Celtic Christianity. Um, and the reason that I like it um, is that he's trying to help you think about that the gospel um, had prevalence and made advance in a world uh, that was very pagan um, in this, in that era. And um, so there's, there's a lot to learn there. Um, I think the other one would be a practice. Um, so we'll link to some John Piper stuff as well on the show notes, um, books, podcasts, interviews with him, because he's very good on this. There's a particular practice that I try and push people towards that, that works because it's one of the, the ordinary means of grace. But it works in a way in people's hearts, which is to pray for unbelievers by name. There's something that changes When a church begins to gather for prayer, um, not necessarily in the Sunday service, I'm not sure you'd want to do this. You certainly wouldn't want to do it in a Sunday service, but in small groups or um, in a prayer sort of meeting, but where Christians have made room, we talked about this in a previous podcast, where Christians have made room for unbelievers. And they get together and they pray for the Christian who's the friend. And they pray for the next step that Christian wants to take with their unbelieving friends in terms of the conversation. They pray for the unbelieving friend. And that when you begin to just choose to make that into a practice as a church, hmm. it has its own way of changing things. Can I give an example why? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, so say um, I, I, one of my good friends in Seattle is one of the more consistent pagans that I've ever spent time with. And we are friends. He's introduced me to his friends. We've been hiking together. We play racquetball together. We've done all kinds of things. Um, when I go to my Christian friends and I say, I really want this, this person to believe the gospel. But I don't quite know how to take this thing that he said and make it into a gospel opportunity. How to return to it. What do you guys think? I, elders in my church, I, I want to see this guy come to Christ. This is where he's at. What, what, how, would you, how could we be equipped to reach out to people like that? Mm-hmm. Now, the pastors of churches and elders of churches would just, they should almost die at that opportunity to say, we would love to equip you to be able to speak the gospel mm-hmm. to that person that's when the atmosphere of a church begins to change yeah when you pray by name and the orientation is equip me so that I can bring the gospel to this person yeah. now you're beginning to have a renewed church mm, that's beautiful
0: Matt that's beautiful well let's uh let's come back to prayer we're gonna come back to that in a couple of weeks here um, but that's all the time we've got for today this has been a, a fun day to meditate on this phrase that's really key to the podcast there is one sufficient reason that today dawned. Um, So, listeners, we want to thank you for tuning in to the Church Renewal Podcast today. Uh, We'd like to hear your thoughts. Why do you think we're here today? Is it this Great Commission orientation? Are these our marching orders? Reach out to us. You can get to uh, our executive director, matt at flourishcoaching.org by email, or me, alan at flourishcoaching.org, you can find our Facebook at tinyurl.com slash at FlourishFB. That's tinyurl.com slash FlourishFB. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And so drop in on our website and, and submit a contact form, uh, FlourishCoaching.org. You know, there is only one sufficient reason that today dawned. Jesus is gathering his people and he uses the church to do that. Let's pray that we can recapture that orientation And we invite you to continue to join us as we explore the ways that Jesus is renewing His church.